Yo, everybody, what is up? What is good? How you living? How you doing? Do you hear me in your ears? I do. Okay, I don't hear me in my ears. Uh, happy Monday, everybody. Week three was freaking awesome, and we are super excited to be here to talk about it. Uh, the scoring was back. Sims is already in here ranting that... Oh, the scoring was back. Because football was fun again. Fantasy football is all people care about, that that's the real reason people are excited. Uh, it was an extremely divisive and unifying weekend. Uh, I'm just going to put it all out there for you. We are going to break down all the games. We are going to recap our bets from last week to see how we've done thus far, to see if we sounded smart, sounded dumb. We are going to talk about Trump and what happened this weekend. I am telling you guys that we are going to do it at the end of the show. This is the reason. I say this all the time. You're tuning in for football. Politics has crossed into football. We will do it at the end of the show. So if you don't want to hear it, that's fine. You can skip over. I know it's not for everybody. Also realize this, though. Reggie Bush, we did an interview with him, and that will be at the end of the show as well if you're listening to the podcast. So it will be breaking down the games. Yep. Me and Sims talking about politics. If you're not in for it, I get it. Uh, and then after that, a 15 to 20 minute interview with Reggie Bush and Reggie talk politics. I don't think it's politics. I mean, it's, I, it's, it's, it's not the politics. world. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's reality that's it going on real. right now. Uh, so we're going to get to that. But before we get into that, I, I want to say there was a friend of the podcast that came up to me and Fendrick at the Super Bowl uh, two years ago. His name was Rodolfo. Uh, and he came up uh, to Fendrick and he didn't even recognize me. He went, Henboy, producer Fendrick, and he recognized him at Super Bowl 50, big Panthers fan. He's from Mexico. He's a grad student at USC, and his country got hit with the earthquakes, and he asked for us for a little bit of help and relief. Uh, so he wants us to go to donate.encode.com, donate.incode.com, and it's a place where you can donate money to the causes to help with relief efforts for the earthquake down there in Mexico. I'm going to donate right after the show. This is a guy that's a fr- he listens to every episode. He started a podcast because of us, and he said, hey, listen, my people down in Mexico need your help. I was hoping you could help. Fendrick passed me along the note. I figured I'd pass along to everybody else. Also tell him, what's his name again? Rodolfo. Rodolfo. Email all the gas and oil companies, too, and ask them for their help as well. A lot of people loved your rant last week. Well, they should. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's (laughs) another thing. It's reality. I mean, we know. Gosh damn. I know. All right, let's get to what I... Texas had an earthquake over this weekend as well. It's everywhere, dude. Uh, Let's get to the first First game, the most exciting game uh, that came down to a crazy call. Falcons-Lions. The line was plus three. I bet $10 on the Lions. You bet $20 on the Lions. We both lost. Yeah. Falcons get the win. Falcons are now the first Super Bowl loser to start 3-0 after losing the Super Bowl since the 2006 Seattle Seahawks. Let's do this for the Falcons fans out there. Are they the best team in the NFC? Uh, yes, they are the best team in the NFC. Ah. 
Uh, but, um, I mean, I say it with reservations still. I, I know, like, people are on us lately saying we're hating against the Fa- – the Falcons are two yards away from being one and two. So – or, yeah, one and two. I mean, they they had a goal line stand in Chicago and a goal line stand in Detroit. So uh, they are the best team in the NFC. I don't think when you really break it down that the NFC is really all that impressive at this standpoint. I think the AFC is clearly a better conference as a whole. But they are the best team. Until you beat the man, you are the man. Or I didn't say that right. If you want to be the man, you got to beat the there man. You go. Thank you. And Atlanta is still the man. Uh, Golden Tate's catch at the end. Right. Oddly enough, yes. the game-winning TD that was overturned was exactly five years after Golden Tate caught the fail Mary against Green uh, Bay. Against With Green the Bay fake when he was on the Seahawks. Right. Five years to the dead. That's crazy. Uh, we watched it live. Right. We thought that Golden Tate went in. It's crazy to me that Sterling Shepard, they wait and see if he can hold it for three ca- steps and then falls and then catches it through. But Golden Tate, the instant his shin touches the grass, it, he is down. That's what I... That's, that's, there's a hole in the rule. I think that's the first thing that we have to talk about. It's, there's, look, it's, we, we talk about it every year, this stupid catch but rule. There, it, it, there's literally... So he had, that was a catch the second he touched it, but yet if he didn't complete the catch and get up with the ball, would have been an incomplete pass. Right, he rolled so, over and the ball came out. Then it's incomplete. But if he rolled over into the end zone, yeah. It, it wouldn't have counted. If he rolled over into the end zone, the ball came out, it would not have been a catch. But so that's where it, but regardless, he was down right there by the rule. Yes, he caught the ball. The man had his hand on his shoulder. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what happens. It's annoying. It goes on all over the league. I mean, it, it's uh, it's amazing. It actually drives me crazy. I mean, even it happened in the Steelers, uh, Steelers-Bears game, too. Bears receiver had the ball. Steelers knocked it out. Looked like it was going to be a fumble. I mean, he took three steps, and he turned and ran. Right. And it's still not a catch. So I don't really know what a catch is anymore. And then there was the 10-second runoff as well. Right. And the Lions are contesting. They could have gotten another play off. Uh, that is a debatable thing. The one thing I'll say is Jim Caldwell, props to Jim Caldwell, who just got a contract extension to get rid of all this firing talk or whatever it was, right. long-term security. He said it for the game, that's what they call, that's what it is, yeah. we're moving on. He doesn't make and, excuses. And that's why I love Jim Caldwell. Yeah. That's why I'm coming around. Random fact from this game, right. two of them. Prater is the second field goal kicker ever to have now made 10 field goals of 55 yards or more. What up, Prates? Who is the fir- who's the other one? Oh, 50 yards or 10? 55 yards or more. Damn, 55 it's yards. a long way. It's not Janikowski? It is Janikowski. Okay. He's got 13. But Prater, dude, he, he's a rock star. He is. And he he thinks he's a rock star, too. If you saw him walk in the locker room when I was with him in Denver, I know I've told you a few stories. He's a rock star in the right way. Like, he's, he's really serious about his craft, but he's got great confidence, and he's cocky, and you want to, like, punch him in the arm and be like, hey, man, you're a kicker. Shut the hell up. The but, other random fact was yes. every active player with a single-digit jersey number in this game yes. was named Matt. <laughs> Matt Ryan, Matt Bryant, Matt Bosher, Matt Schaub, Matt Prater, Matt Stafford. That's hilarious. If they only had Matt Sims. Oh. <laughs> Matt Sims, get him on your roster. Uh, but overall, heavy hitter. These seem to be the two top teams in the NFC, Detroit and Atlanta. Both are for real. I thought that Detroit's defense looked a little rough right. without Jared Davis in the middle. They did. And I thought Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, that yeah. run offense looked fantastic. And to everyone that says that we've been very hard on the Falcons, right. we have been, I think. Yeah. They are for real. The defense is unbelievable. They are. And Matt Ryan's interceptions, I think 
thought two of them were not really his fault. Right. The one was Glover Quinn making a hell of a play. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were un-Matt Ryan-like mistakes, that's for sure. You know, the first one was a bad decision, the Glover Quinn pick six. Uh, they, they are. They're the best team. The, t- the one team I think we're missing in the conversation, just as far as the NFC yeah. is concerned, is the Vikings. I mean, if Sam Bradford, yes. I mean, they've looked good with Case Keenum and really had chances to, uh, I'm not going to say win that game, but keep that game really close in the fourth quarter against the Steelers last week. But I do think they're legit this year as well. I, I'm going to say this, and Falcons fans are going to hate me. I still want to see as the year goes on the inventory of offense yeah. for Steve Sarkeesian. I think that's Just very fair. To, I think yeah. it's very fair. Right. It's it's a guy that's a first-time play caller in the NFL. These guys are – this is no longer college 20-hour rule. you got NFL coaches who are they're, – they're obsessed. They're in the lab all 20 yes. hours a day breaking down your offense, looking at tendencies. And, yeah, I want to see in week seven or eight if it still right. holds we're, true. We're not saying that he's not going to have it. We would say this about any team in this situation. We just want to see what he's got. Right. All right. Now, one thing that I wanted to bring this week compared to former weeks is when we yeah. talk about a game, sometimes I want to hear our predictions. Okay. How do we do? Were we accurate? Were we not accurate? Cool. We're now going to talk about Giants-Eagles. Yeah. Here is how we thought Giants-Eagles would go before the game. I think six points is too much. Yes. This is a three-point Eagles win to me. This is a coming down field goal at the end. This is not a blowout. Your secondary, you mentioned it. It's not very talented. And as bad as this Giants offense is, I think they'll have enough. It's another week with Odell being healthy, right? So he's going to be a little bit better than what we saw last week. So I would say you nailed it. Odell was better. And myself, yeah. three-point game coming down to a field goal. Yes. We nailed it. Nailed I it. bet 150 on it. You bet 300. We both hit. Right. It. Look, I was a little bit nervous for our bets that the Eagles were up 14 nothing. Definitely. But this game went according to plan, and both coaches, I think, were trying to lose their jobs on Sunday. <laughs> I think it's... I, it's the unnoticed thing of Sunday so far. Nobody has talked about some of the coaching decisions in that game. I mean, I, I they are in Philly. They are in Philly. They, they are roasting Doug Peterson for going for it on fourth and eight on the forty three. On his forty. <laughs> After taking a timeout, right, and then I mean, going, you know what? Now we're going to go for it and take a sack. I know. I really want to use my Tropic Thunder line there, but I won't. And yeah, don't. So regardless, I think the thing I, I mean too, and then I, I the vice versa, right, Gabe, for the New York Giants. I mean, McAdoo left six points on the board. I know that it was. It was a you know one foot for a touchdown before the half, but man, go into the half with something positive. It's fourteen nothing. Just go in fourteen to three. Your defense was it would have been seven to three. They didn't have fourteen. Oh, yet. it was seven. You're right. Yes. So there, so I got an argument go outside. In with it. I got an argument outside with a Giants fan that was telling me, yeah, but I thought they need to get the seven. Who are these future predictors? These these oracles that go, I'm going to need seven later. No, the Eagles couldn't do anything. No. Take the three points. Right. And then they Always. do it again in the third quarter. They have a fourth and two, and they decide to throw it incomplete. That was another chance for a field goal. I want to give board. a shout-out to our audio guy, Nick. We have not used this on the podcast, and I just remembered. Right. With his new haircut, right. Ben McAdoo's new nickname is Fat Riley. <laughs> that is compliments of Nick. He's absolutely right. He's trying to go up-tempo. Fat Riley. That's his new nickname. Oh. Um Shout-out to our guy, Darren Sproles. Tore his ACL and broke his arm on the same play. We were confused watching it because I know I was going, oh, his knee blew out. And then we saw him holding his wrist. And we're like, what? Uh, 
I'll say this, the last thing I'll say about this game before we move on. Uh, that game is a demoralizing loss for the Giants. I mean, demoralized. Not the fact that they went 0-3, yeah, but 0-3. the fact of some of the players you didn't have playing in the game. Fletcher Cox got right. hurt, Jordan Hicks got hurt, right. Jason Peters got out, Darren Sproles was taken There's out. no Darby, there was no uh, Rodney, Rodney McLeod. McLeod. I mean, that that's where I really look at it and go, man, Giants, you still lost to an undermanned Philadelphia team, and that's when you should say, trouble, trouble. I am really concerned that that Doug Peterson is listening too much to the fan base. Yeah. After one week that he was called out for only running it 13 times, he ran it 39 times the most in three years. I will say this. It made me more upset they didn't use LeGarrette Blunt against the Chiefs at all because, boy, did he look fantastic. Play to the strength of your team. They're leaving a whole element of their offense off the board. That's the big thing. Your offensive line is special. It's good. It's definitely top 10 in the fo- in football. Yeah. Now, within that, this spread stuff all the time, you're not of taking advantage of their skill set, their ability to do inside zone, outside zone, pull guards. You have the type of lineman that can do those things, and then you get a downhill running game, and oh yeah, now you're going to have the play actions and boots with a guy like Carson mm. Wentz who can really throw the ball down the field, can really throw the ball on the run. It's going to make your team better, and it's going to save your secondary that's undermanned as well because it's going to let you guys control the clock a and little they bit. they did. Yes. So you did not like Odell's dog-peeing celebration I'm sick of anything with the crotch. He has come out and explained what it was in reference to. Because he's a dog. Yeah, but do you know why he said that? This is perfect. You don't know. No. Because Trump said that players were sons of bitches. He would then be a son of a dog, thus he's a dog. So if you want to call me a dog, I'm a dog. That's why he did the dog peeing, and then the second one was the black power fist. Damn, so Gabe, Trump cost us 15 yards on that win. It all goes back to Trump. How dare he? <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, all of a sudden, I like this now. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's cute. Uh, it, you know, to me, guys got to get away from being just, uh, it's football. Just let's, I understand, let's have Odell's fun in the end second zone. catch was freaking incredible. Amazing. And nobody's even talking about it, no. I feel like, because they lost and it kind of just went under, un, under the radar. All right. So the Giants-Eagles game, we were all over. And if you bet with us, you made a lot of money. Uh, and in the force of humility, I'm now going to show you a game that we didn't get right. And that would be the Texans and the Patriots. But Deshaun Watson looked lost. Deshaun Watson didn't look like he knew the offense. And I know that there's so many injuries for New England right now. But they're sitting there going, we are going to feast on this kid. I should have bet more. There is no freaking way the New England Patriots are going to let Deshaun Watson out of the pocket. I can promise you that. And you did promise, and uh, Deshaun Watson was freaking. I promise. This, I love this. This is true self scouting. I right hate here. watching myself though. That's why horrible. I don't know. I don't want to look at me. All right, so I bet two hundred dollars on the Patriots by thirteen. You bet four hundred dollars. Yes, I so did. So we took a bath on this one. Uh, Deshaun Watson was freaking incredible. He was. Yeah, I. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't think it was possible. No, I didn't either. And I mean. I still actually have a hard time believing it. He's got to have to show me he can do it again before Stop. I'm believing it. Yeah, he is. The well, throws were great. The, the throws running were great. Was That's great. where I think I was more amazed with anything is he th- made some phenomenal throws within the pocket. Uh, and then his ability to escape the pocket and break arm tackles and extend the plays was oh. off the charts. Because this game was really close to going the way we wanted it to go. It was 28-20. to 20. Yes. Uh, I believe New England had the ball back. And I think and, that's and when Brady was throwing a wide-open receiver. Wide-open receivers. Exactly right. But regardless, the talent of Watson was undeniable. And then again, the end of that game, 
not using the timeout, which is oh. still shocking to me. Yeah, Bill, Bill O'Brien already came out and said he was an idiot. Yeah, I just don't even know. I mean, especially a guy that has come from New England who, I promise you, Bill O'Brien and company have practiced Situational that. football. Yeah, so much. It, that, that's amazing. But getting back to Watson, it was amazing. Um, you know what I think I if I had to self-scout myself there? What I would do is I would say, man, why did I really think anybody on the Patriots front four or front seven was going to be able to run him down in case he did get the edge? Or Could Hightower have? Hightower could have certainly been a, yes, one of their more athletic guys in the front seven, but I think that's an area that maybe they lack in a little bit. They've lost a lot of guys. I mean, they are the 32nd ranked defense in football right now. Do you think that continues? Uh, no, it'll it'll get better. It will. Bill's going to find the formula as soon as they get healthy, too. Uh, the good thing, I think you can look at them, it's not like I don't see their corners getting beat a lot. I mean, their corners, I know Stefan Gilmore blew a coverage early in the year right. and all that, but they're not getting beat like in man-to-man situations. It's really just scheme beating their zone schemes at the, times. The thing that I like for the Patriots is I don't think their offensive line is that great. I don't think Gronk is that healthy. I don't think their wide receiver talent is that great. But when they need to score Man. against what I think will end up being a top 10 defense by the end of the year, that was impressive. Brady, was. Brady could do whatever the hell he wants. Brady was amazing. Brady, I mean, he really was. I mean, oh, he's, I mean it's again... It, He's 40 after week one. He don't look 40 anymore. No. He's been amazing the last two weeks. All right, now let's go to a game that I got completely wrong and you smartly stayed away from. Let's go Sunday night football, Raiders-Washington. I bet $300 on Oakland minus three. You bet 10. Yeah. I took a beating there. It's incredible. There was like nine home dogs on this Sunday. And seven of them won. Wow. Nine home underdogs, seven of them won. Uh, I bet a lot of money on Oakland. I thought what was really interesting, Washington only allowed 128 total yards. Yes. Lowest for the franchise since 1992. Right. Uh, funny stat, Washington is now 6-6 six and six on Sunday Night Football in the Dan Snyder era. Hmm. In every other night game. Monday, Thursday, they're one in seventeen. Wow, weird. Yes. Um, and then my question is: Amari Cooper right. this year, eighteen targets, only nine catches for ninety-five yards, a touchdown, and six drops. Right. Josh Norman freaked out after the game talking about them because I didn't realize Cooper and Crabtree talked about putting up two hundred yards and talking a lot of trash. He was looking like he was almost in tears, and right. Norman said, "You don't say you're going to put up two hundred yards against somebody. We are here and we are waiting." Crabtree isn't sorry. He sucked. What happened in that game last night, Sunday night? Well, they were. If you listen to Collins were during the game too, the Redskins were on a mission. Like when he they did talk, mention it a million times. When he about talked Minuski. about Greg Minuski, right? Who Minuski is a really good defensive coordinator, and we have to start giving him more credit because he made some of those Colts defenses good that didn't have one damn guy you could really name on it. I mean, I know there was a few. Don't get me wrong, but it yeah. wasn't like it was a top defense as far as talent's concerned. Uh, but yeah, they mentioned it a few times that you know, oh, Oakland thinks they're going to come in here and bully us, and you know, their their offensive line's going to push us around and they're going to have their way with us in the past game so obviously that resonated with the Redskins defense all week Minuski is a tough SOB I mean legit and he's he's a real dude you know we've talked about him as far as his game planning the first two weeks and what we've seen just having people drop in the right area um, they won the battle up front I think that's the thing that was the most shocking to me I haven't seen Oakland's offensive line get pushed around like that and the guy we got to give a little um uh this this I don't know if I could say his name right. Uh, I Adonis Matt Ionitis. Uh, I mean, if you look at my notes, product. yeah, if you looked at my notes from last week, he was everywhere. And again, last night, I mean, they have enough big people now to make some things happen in, on their D line. 
It's interesting. That that Eagles win over Washington in week one could loom large because yeah. they look like another contender. I've gotten this question now on every form of social media, mm-hmm. and I know it sounds ridiculous, but I need your honest opinion. Yeah. Before the game yesterday, the Oakland O-line took a knee in unison. Right. And they showed, somewhat awkwardly, Derek Carr off to the side, not a part of it. I have gotten this question that, I'll, that do you think there's any chance that the offensive line was offended by their quarterback doing this, and this impacted the protection on him during the game? No, I really don't. Uh, first of all, everything I know, they love Derek Carr out there. I mean, he's one of the favorites in the locker room. Um, I think they know where Derek, Derek Carr stands on that subject. I don't think it has anything to do with, with any of that. I really don't. Now, this is the thing I will say that's interesting about Sunday. Now, you know, I just look at like some of the teams, and I know all teams protested, right, to a degree. But, you know, in a league where the games are so close, you know, Maybe the team that figured out what they were going to do for the national anthem the night before was better than the team that was figuring it out on the way to the stadium in the morning. Like mm. you know, I just think because like, Michelle Tafoya did say the Raiders wanted to do something, and then that because the primetime games are different than the normal games, right. It messed up their. They were going to be in the in, in the, the locker room, in the locker room, right? But it forced them to come out, and they weren't ready for it. Yeah, so that I mean, you, I, just, you, uh, I that, just look at them, the Steelers, the Seahawks, all teams that really tried to make, and I, and I know there was other teams. This isn't like all across, but just in a league that's so close the difference between the fifth team and the 25th best team is literally like one player it's one play Mm. it's so close to where little distractions like that it did come up to my mind yesterday just going you know who was figuring this on the bus ride to the stadium who figured out in the meetings the night before Uh, i'm just giving a tidbit you've you've always talked about how close it is there are some players that set the bar there are other players that are the bar and we each get to pick one each week a player that went out there and truly became the bar for for their team. Sims, you got a running back, baby, that was just plowing away. He was. I'm going with Jordan Howard. He is the bar for me this week. Uh, first of all, Jordan Howard, a lot of guys have been talking about Tariq Cohen, right, in Chicago. Jordan Howard been banged up the first few weeks, but man, the way he ran against the Pittsburgh Steelers, first of all, he's a rare combination of speed uh, and then his ability to lower the boom on defenders. It's impressive. He's good in all areas of the game, too. He could catch the ball out of the backfield, um, but again, that was an impressive performance against a Steelers defense, and I just watched Watch that film. Uh, that really played well. They have a good offensive line in Chicago, yeah. and Jordan Howard is definitely hurt. he, and he's definitely one of the best between the tackle backs in in the game. All right, I'm going to see your Jordan Howard. I'm really excited for you to hear mine. I'm going to somebody in Lambeau, and his name was Carl Lawson. He went out there against Aaron Rodgers and was all over the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. Two and a half sacks, seven hurries, lifting Bakhtiari up with his left arm while running to the right. Sims was all over this guy in the draft, and he was an absolute beast. He wasn't just meeting the bar. He wasn't greeting the bar. He was setting the bar, and Carl Lawson was the bar against the Packers in week three. That was a good one. I like you a I know, lot. I know. You're my friend. I know. Well, I, I, you you were so hype on this kid yes. for so long, and he looked incredible. You said during the draft yep. he was the second best pass rusher in the draft behind... 
Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Right. Better than Derek Barnett, better than everybody. I like him better, yep. And he looks incredible. He's got a unique build. I mean, he is he's made to play outside linebacker defense in the and in, in the NFL. I mean, he's got an unbelievable lower half. He's got arms that, I mean, if you look at him, he's built like Khalil Mack. Uh, So first of all, yeah, I'm big on what do you look like with your shirt off and, you know, with tight pants on, okay? Sorry, that's what I'm big on. And he's amazing. All right, let's go. You were just talking about Steelers-Bears. Yeah. Um, Let's see how we did in predicting Steelers versus Bears. Their secondary is trash. Yeah, it is. And I'm looking at Martavis Bryant as like a I'm going to call it the Randy Moss Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving game. <laughs> three catches, 150 yards, two to three touchdowns. I think Martavis Bryant goes off. Yeah. I think this is the game for him. But the defense should be able to carry them through. I do think they get a few turnovers. I'm just always scared in Chicago. Chicago plays pretty good. The grass is, grass is long. They make every team a little bit slower. They make you play the big physical game. Uh, and and that, that's why I only went 100. You only won 100, and uh, you were absolutely correct. Martavis Bryant's stats, two catches, 30 yards. Yeah. He dropped a wide-open bomb. You saw it on the film? Yes, I did. What the hell? Well, I mean, i I, I got to put it on Big Ben, too. I mean, he was wide open. Just throw it right at him, Big Ben. I mean, he, it was going to have to be a tremendous, like, fingertip-type okay. catch. Um yeah, By the way, I bet 300 and okay. lost. You bet 100 and lost. Bears get the win outright. The thing that I think we have to first focus on is the special teams of the Bears let up 10 points. I mean, they muffed a punt and right. set up the Chicago Bears for a close for a close wow, score so to get the their Steelers first touchdown. Offense was super bad. Well, and then yes, yeah, so I'll get and to that. The and then of course Cooper. the Marcus Cooper bonehead play of the year, but they still ended up getting three points from that because it got knocked out of the back of the end yes. zone. Luckily for him, but this is what yes. Uh, man, there's a lot of things I want to say here. The Steelers got to find something to their offense right now. It is too much just relying on we're looking for the big play. Can they execute? Can they do an eight-play, 80-yard drive? That's the thing I don't haven't seen them do consistently yet. It's always looking for the big A-B play down the field, Martavis right. Bryant. And I wrote in my notes the one thing I've noticed, and the one thing I think they got to get back to the way they were at the end of the year last year. They need to get Running a fullback, dead Big out. Ben underneath the center again. It opens up their offense. Right now, they're a spread team. They really are. That's all they're doing. It's it's like try to find a dink and dunk, but the teams are all over it. Then we'll just try to find a one on one matchup down the field. Big Ben was a little off. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is not totally himself, but he was better than I thought watching on TV. Okay, um, and uh, the Steelers' defense really. Played pretty good when you the really. The Bears looked, are just a good team. The Bears are better than and the lot really, of people. The Bears are really good at home. Yes, uh, but when you don't ben, run, you don't. Your secondary thing is still like the, it's not a trash secondary, but it's not a good secondary. But when you don't run the ball, Vic Fangio and that front seven of the Bears is so good. They just go, we'll play safe coverages. We're not going to let you just bomb it away over we'll us. Put five in the back. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Big Ben took a lot of the brunt on himself, and then multiple players said we're just wasting talent right now. Mm-hmm. If we're the Steelers, do you expect them to bounce back? They're always a much better home team. Yes, I do expect them to bounce back too. I, I still think it's a good offensive still line. Still a Super Bowl contender. I do. Yeah, I think their offense. It's only a matter of time before it comes around. The defense is 
is good. There's no denying that. Now they'll even be even better when you know uh, J- T.J. Watt gets back out there in the mix. Stephon Tuitt. Stephon Tuitt's their best player on defense. Him or Ryan Shazier. And it's between those two. But yeah, I, I still am not giving up on the the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, because we had to take a little bit of humble pie. Yeah. Let's go back to feeling really smart about ourselves. Yay. Uh, I'll never forget because uh, it's gonna. Um, I love it. I was talking to my dad's friend Mike, and he said, "What are your big bets this week?" And I say, "I'll tell you which one I." really like Bengals plus nine against the Packers he said you're crazy I said when it happens you call me up and you tell me I'm Did a he genius call you? well we're gonna find out first here are our picks from Bengals Packers are you ready yeah I'm an idiot go ahead I'm going $170 on Cincinnati plus nine okay I just want to know your reaction throw up mine canvasser right now stop throw up mine since that $200? Yes. We have $370 combined on Cincinnati. I felt really crazy. Aaron Rodgers, this is a team sport. Everybody's got to start like, evaluating Aaron Rodgers. On it. Their team stinks. He's their best running back. Uh, there's not a lot there. The receivers are good. They're not great. Nobody's going, man, we got a double team Jordy Nelson or we're screwed or we got a double team Randall Cobb or we're not going to win the game. And that was literally what you came in today and said, it's just Aaron Rodgers out there. And guess what it was? It was Aaron frickin' Rodgers. The Bengals are the better team, period. They have Just go through it with me real quick, right? Who has a better defensive line? Bengals. Right. Who has a better secondary? Definitely the Bengals. Right. Who has better receivers? Bengals. A.J. Green's it's, better it, than anybody. I, the, he's better than anybody. I don't know. As a unit, it's, it's close. If A.J. Green was on the, Bengal, on the Packers oh, for as long as Jordy out. Nelson. Who's got better running backs? Definitely the Bengals. And who's got a better offensive line? It's close. Yeah, I don't it's know. Close. Okay. And then so then it's just number 12. I mean, so there you go. That's all you can say to do. All it. by himself yesterday. It, it, the, the game, it, it's annoying to watch. It's why, like, I love the Packers and I hate them. I just can't stand it. It's like I, I, I literally have moments where I'm rooting for them because I want Aaron Rodgers, and then I'm rooting against them because I'm going, "You're so freaking stupid." The game plan's so bad. Every game is Aaron Rodgers starting off a little sluggish because he has to figure out what am I going to have to do to carry the team today? Let me feel this defense out and how Mike's going to call the game and I'll figure it out and then I'll become the magic man. And that's really what it is. I mean, did you ever doubt he was not going to go down and score that touchdown at the end? I was thinking yesterday, this isn't as fun. Like, I know he's going to do it. Like, it, well, I'm not even like, here comes Rodgers. I'm, like, I'm more like, I hope he doesn't score too many points. <laughs> You know, I was saying that to you. I was like, he's, is he going to put up four touchdowns right now and take the lead back? Um, Aaron Rodgers, that was his first overtime game Sunday. He's now 1-7 in overtime. Our bets, I made 170 on that. You made 200. Yeah. So we both made a collective 370. Um, with the win over Cincinnati, right. Aaron Rodgers has now beaten 31 teams in the NFL. He joins Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Big Ben, and what other quarterback to do 31? Now, Brett Favre and Peyton Manning have beaten 32. Because they got to they, play the other and teams. And that's incredible. Right. But Brady, Brees, Big Ben, and what other quarterback beat 31 other teams? This is a weird one. Is it a weird one? He played for the Big Blue. Kerry Collins. Kerry Collins. There you go. Yeah, beat 31. Uh, also, weird stat. Aaron Rodgers has more pick sixes than Blake Bortles this season. 
<laughs> shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. It should be against the rules. <laughs> is there in any? Uh, I mean, are the Bengals? They're zero and three. I don't see them making a late push. They have talent. Yes. Uh, but is the season done for them now? I, I, I mean, yes. Is there any motivational? Like, no. No. I just think it's run the course in Cincinnati, and I, I don't. They're like going to be a that. tough team to to beat by a lot of. Yeah, teams, they're going to be a pain in the butt. But I do. I just think this is going to be the last year of the Andy Dalton, Marvin Lewis regime. I really you think do. They could be both gone. I do. I think they're going to look at it and go, okay, we had a nice little run, guys, but it's gotten a little stale. And you said that you wanted to see Andy Dalton's performance, whether or not you put in AJ McCarron. Yeah, I would give him. I would give him a little more time. He didn't okay. do anything to lose that football game. Again, though, as the game goes on, he doesn't do anything to help his team win it either. He never makes a play. He never makes a big throw. He never makes a big run. Yeah. Um, and to me, that does get stale after a while for a team as well. They're looking at the other team, going, "Man, their quarterback's just making plays everywhere." So Falcons are better than the Packers. Yes. Are the Lions better than the Packers? I think so. Are the Vikings better? Than the Packers, I think so too. I mean, just twelve is a great equalizer, but I do, I think the for we go to the team. Yes, I'm saying all those teams are better. Yes. Are the Eagles better than the Packers? <sighs> the only thing that would scare me in your matchup with the Eagles is just that you know if your front four doesn't get there, it's yeah. somebody might squeak oh, open downfield. But it, it's close. I mean, you guys kind of hung in there with them last what the first half yeah, of but last then Aaron year. Rogers threw like and then it went up by. Yards, like the second <laughs> half it was unbelievable. All right. Uh, is the, the greatest, greatest quarterback, quarterback of all time ever seen? <laughs> uh, Seahawks Titans. Uh, you in this game picked the the Seahawks ten dollars plus two and a half. You lost. Yep. I picked the Titans two and a half favored. I won. Uh, this is a game that I know you watched on film. Yeah. And while it was happening, we did a video yesterday, which was the Seahawks. Like they got they're just beaten. Yeah. And this is not the same Seahawks. Right. Russell Wilson threw up some yards, but it was kind of when they were already down double 179, digits. 179, I think, in fourth, the fourth quarter. So a little Drew Brees, Blake Bortles. It was, yes. Um, how in trouble are the Seahawks? Man, they're painful to watch right now. I, I really feel Offense for, and defense. Well, no, their defense is not. I feel for their defense. That's a, when I came away from it, I go, man, the Seahawks defense is still really good. You know, it's hard to win when you're on the field for almost the whole first half. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks, their offense, especially when the game was competitive, it's either three and out or it's four plays, 80 yards, and a touchdown. And their defense is right back on the field. Mm. And the defense hung in there. Um, I think the first thing I want to say is Richard Sherman, him getting his penalties and going irate. Uh, I mean, I don't condone that, but, man, that wasn't pass interference either. That was amazing defensive play by Richard Sherman. He read the route. He got to the spot before Eric Decker did. He, he's, I mean, he read the play, everything. It was textbook. And Eric, he got to the spot. Eric Decker turned in and ran into him, and they called it on Richard Sherman. That's bullshit, so I'll say that. Um, but regardless, the what, off- about the... what about the hit on Mariota? Oh, the, I know. You know... He kind of hit Bobby Wagner more, yes, and then he went face to face with Taylor Lewan. Okay, and maybe am I wrong? Did they take away that penalty? They did. They did because it wasn't a penalty. Okay, good. There was offsetting penalties. So okay, it, it was as if it never happened. Okay, and he was really close. Like I didn't think it was egregious. I mean, uh, Mariota was maybe a half step out of bounds, but Sherman had already kind of launched himself. I got a lot of respect for Richard Sherman and the way he plays the game. Okay, it's physical. It's tough. It's no nonsense. He doesn't back down from anybody. Um, and I know that can rub people the wrong way. But uh, as a whole, them being on the field, and the, you know my number one saying, with, like they don't have enough big people. 
and right. fast people get slow as the game goes on. And then they, and they slowed down over. right a little bit, and the Tennessee kind of got the feel for the speed, and they started pushing them everywhere down There's the line no of scrimmage. No improvements on the offensive side. The offense, not at all. It's 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 pitiful and painful to watch. The run game sucks. The pass blocking what is it gonna stinks. Take? Uh, the same thing I've been saying. It takes a new offensive staff. That's what it takes. Ooh, that's what we need to talk about. So, you have a theory, yeah, that the Seahawks and the Giants, yes, their offenses suck because of Aaron Rodgers. Yes, plain and simple. They got those jobs because of Aaron Rodgers. Daryl Bevel was what with Green Bay? He was the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, I think, and then got the Seahawks job right. because look at how great you did with Aaron Rodgers. Right. Ben McAdoo, he was the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, I believe. I'll with go make Aaron double Rogers. check, but yes, and people because Green Bay puts up thirty points a game. You get a, you get a GM that's not really studying the film or owner that doesn't really know what he's talking about. He just goes, man, Aaron Rodgers is one of the top rated quarterbacks every year. Oh, and their offensive numbers are pretty good. This guy's an offensive genius, huh? No, sorry, he he is. Uh, I, I, we talk too much about Rodgers. I'm even getting sick of talking about it. But yes, Bevel was the quarterbacks coach, by the way. Okay, quarterbacks coach. Um, Tennessee. How yeah. for real are they? Tennessee. The Oakland Raiders game kind of scared us. Yes. Because, but then again, it's Derek freaking Carr. Right. But then Tennessee went out there and smashed Jacksonville and then just smashed Seattle. Yes. Tennessee, the first thing I would say about their football team overall, there's no glaring weakness. You know, I'm not saying they're the best at football in every position, but there's no positions that I go, ooh, they're really undermanned here, and this is going to be a problem for them all year. Secondary solid. Front seven's pretty good. Offensive line's pretty good. Receivers are solid. Um, tight end play, pretty good. And then the quarterback and running back are pretty good as well. So uh, the offense. Cert, the offense, they miss the element of play-action passing, too. That's the one thing I wrote in my notes. They run the ball too well to have not have more pl- creative play-action passes off it. Yes, and they did a few neat little read-option plays, and they have bootlegs, but I want play-action. I want double-pulling guard to the left, fake it downhill run to DeMarco Rui, come back up, and you got you know two receivers flying downfield. They don't do enough of that. I think they really could take advantage of that. Uh, they played smart yesterday, though. They did not pan they got down seven nothing. I forgot watching too. They were down fourteen nine. Who was the Titans? Were down fourteen nine. Wow, I know. And and then from that point on, they really dominated the game with the big screen pass to the left to Rashard Matthews. Matthews, remember that little screen pass? Yes. They did a little fake play action to the right. It came back through a screen pass to Rashard Matthews. Taylor Lewan, the offensive line, got in front of him. He ran down for a touchdown. Next drive was DeMarco Murray, big play. Wow. I mean, they, they got it going there after I, that. I got some breaking news for you. What's that? Uh, ben McAdoo has been fired by the Giants. Just kidding. That's but that's what someone changed his Wikipedia page damn. to. You were ready for it. Dave's all excited. <laughs> Dave was all like, "Damn, sorry, everybody." Why didn't they fire him? His name has been changed to Ben Trash McAdoo, and his current position right now is KFC head cook. <laughs> but he has not actually been fired. <laughs> you but got me. Though. Somebody went on the Wikipedia. That's how bad he's been coaching. That you were like, well. I get it. Yeah, you're right. Steve Spagnuolo is going to take over now. Um, all right, so that's Seahawks Titans. Uh, occasionally, Sims and I disagree with each other. Yeah, and that's when we really need to go to the tape and see how we did. Let's see how we picked for Broncos Bills. Oh, you like this one, huh? But I'm just going on a hunch. Yep. I'm not putting a lot of money on it. Right. I'm just going Buffalo here because it's freaking weird. It is. Buffalo is a weird place to play. Um, unfortunately. I don't have the same take as you. 
I am going the Denver yes! Broncos. Yes, then this is going to be great. This yeah. could be a huge loss for you. <laughs> Thank you. Really like Thank it. you for cheering against me. And boy, was it. <laughs> he was. It's freaking weird. I kept thinking you had a lot of money on the game, too, the way you were cheering for it yesterday. And I kept, and then you, I kept reminding me that you had $10. That's yeah. the worst part is all of these games that I got right about $10 and then Steelers, Raiders, Patriots. Yeah, $300. So I'm down, I think, for the week. But Bills, 1 o'clock game against a West Coast team yeah. in Buffalo. Trevor Simeon played well in the beginning yes. and then threw some really bad interceptions late. Really bad interceptions. I mean, the one where he scrambled to his left on a third and long and tries to you know throw the ball down the field in between three f- people. I just couldn't believe that. he's got. He, that's Again, that just shows a little bit of his inexperience still at the position. That, then the bootleg, right, in the fourth quarter where he's off his back foot and he tries to throw the ball in yeah. the flat and gets intercepted. That was. that was bad. Denver faked a punt at one point during the game, which I thought was a not a great decision and got stopped on. Um, I think they went for on a fourth down normally like I, as they, well, too. I, they might have. I know. I need to go back and watch that film, which I will tomorrow or, or Wednesday morning. But um, yeah, the, the game... I felt like was in Denver's favor there for a while, and it was going to go as I expected. Yeah. But Buffalo hung around, and then as the game went on, Buffalo's defense was all over. You know the things that Denver wanted to do on the offensive side of the ball, and Buffalo's O line and stuff didn't let Denver just annihilate the game. And I give them a lot of credit. I give Rick Dennison a lot of credit, who I was I'm critical against of. his former team. Yeah, but he did great. I mean, some of the play action passes and things they did to get people up and down the field were phenomenal as and well. And then. Uh, Von Miller, in a crucial point of the game, getting a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for sticking out his hand, and then as uh, the quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, Taylor reached out to get picked up, he pulled it away. They were clearly smiling at each other and laughing. 15 yards to continue the drive, and then Von Miller put it on himself for the loss, but it's like... That's ridiculous. That's over officiating. It's 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 almost, if not worse, than the offensive pass interference call on the 49ers on Thursday night. Mm. I mean, it's at that point of the game, you don't call that. He wasn't showing disrespect to Tyrod Taylor. What what if he was just changing his mind at the last second and said, you know what, I'm not going to help him up. I'm gonna I don't want to let him up. I don't you know because defensive coordinators will yell at their defensive players when they do that crap. Like I've been on teams where like Rod Marinelli for the Cowboys. I guarantee he's yelling at guys there tonight. Like don't don't you up. help that mother effer up. You make him get up on his own. Uh, but so, it just annoyed me. I have I have some people that get really upset when I rag on the referees mm-hmm. because they're trying to do their job and it's really hard. But that felt... And then with Jeff Triplett's crew on Thursday night with the yeah. offensive pass interference mm-hmm. call... It gets hard not to comp to complain. Yes, I, I, and that call just felt like it was too much. It's too much. Like I understand you flagging if he was Odell over him, with the like, peeing and crap, or, yes. right? Showing him up, but th- that wasn't showing up. My thing too is like, can't you wait a second before you see the flag and see how they react? If Tyrod looks at you and puts it out, maybe. Right. But they're smiling, they're laughing, they're pointing at each other. Like that was a really cool moment. I agree. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, uh, Chiefs Chargers. Uh, Chiefs were favored by three in L.A. One of the two uh, away favorites to actually win. You put ten dollars on it. Mm-hmm. I put two hundred dollars oh, on it. Good job by you. Thank you. Uh, Rivers in his last sixteen games has thrown twenty five interceptions. Yeah, the crowd was so bad in L.A. It wasn't sold out. Right. And it only holds like twenty five, twenty seven thousand. The Chargers knew the crowd was so pro Chiefs. They didn't do player introductions in. That the home team would get booed. Wow, that's amazing. I did not know that. 
but we gonna get two teams to LA. Oh, Chris. so stupid! The NFL owners don't get me. I'll get on them in a second. I want to do this with you. Yeah. The the interceptions were bad by Rivers, right? Two okay. out of the three were bad, and he has he's he's cost his team a lot of games uh, the last year and a half. And and you know again, I'm giving him leeway because damn, did he keep his team in a lot of game a lot of yes. games the six years before that? I feel like it's been ingrained in him that he has to do that I stuff. D- I do agree, but with that's that. not what he needs to do anymore. And all I can think about in games like that again is just you know I just look at it and go, man. Do they wish Deshaun Watson was there? He might have fit better with what they wanted to do as a team in general. You and, did say that yes. Deshaun Watson was the pick for them in L.A. Yes. Uh, Chiefs. Right. I want to do a little thing with you here. Yeah. There are two undefeated teams remaining in the NFL right now, mm-hmm. those being the Atlanta Falcons and the Kansas City Chiefs, both 3-0. and Both 3-0. and Which team will remain undefeated the longest? First, let's talk about the Chiefs. I want to know how viable they are, and then I want to look at the schedule, and you tell me Great. Their, out, their matchups and how it fits with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs, when I look at them, I just go, wow, there is no weakness to the football team. The offensive line's legit. Uh, the offensive Offensive play calling is creative. You got Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt. And the fact that they're twenty eighth in defense doesn't scare you. No, off. no, because it's a little bit. It's it's just the way they are. It, it's again showing to me that they're a lot like last year, where they're going to let yards up, but you know you're going to have a hard time scoring touchdowns against them. And they, they continuously get a lot of interceptions. They Marcus do. Peters. Yes. The competition of the teams coming up on their schedule. Right. I want to know how they match up the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. Uh, who is coming up for the Kansas City Chiefs? Washington in week four, then at Houston, home against Pittsburgh. That could be a great game. Yep. And then at the Raiders. Ooh. How do you think they fare here? Uh, I think they match up really good with the Redskins and the Texans. Okay, I so really you do. could see them going five and zero. Yes, home against the Steelers right. in Kansas City. Yes, and that's going to be an interesting football game. Okay, so your questions start week six, and then Oakland Raiders week right. seven and as I, well. And I'm not even, you know, I, I don't mean to gloss over the Redskins because the Redskins have gotten better of every course. week. So uh, I just look at that. That was in Kansas City next mm-hmm. week, right? For the Redskins, that's tough. Coming, tough place to play. Coming off a short week, you just played the Raiders. I look at it and just go, no, and I think Kansas City's just a better football team, plain and simple right now. Falcons are a good team. I want to look at the Falcons' schedule. Let's see what Atlantic has coming up. So you see a possible issue week six or seven for the Chiefs. Upcoming schedule for the Falcons. They host the Bills. They host the Dolphins at the Patriots in week seven because they have a bye in week five at the Jets. So the entire AFC East is their next four games. Buffalo will be tough. Buffalo will play them tough, but in I just, Atlanta though. But yeah, I just can't see them winning the game. Like they're going to hang in, hang in there, but they're not going to have enough offense to make plays against that Atlanta defense, which I, I've repeatedly said recently is the fastest defense in football. So is it that at Week Seven at the Patriots? Pretty much. I just can't see the Dolphins stopping them. I mean, the Dolphins secondary that, scares oh. me, right? So that's where I just look at it and go, "There's too many weapons on it on the Atlanta offense." Uh, Matty Ice is still Matty Ice. He does make plays. And, uh, yeah, I look at that New England game and I go, wow, that that's going to be – that has a chance to be a shootout. I mean, a real shootout. And then who was after the uh, New England um, – It was the Jets. The Jets, which the Jets will not be easy once again. Uh, the Jets are better than I think we've all realized, and we're seeing that a little bit. Yeah. But um, in, in general, I think if I had to say who's – I think 
the Falcons are going to stay undefeated longer. Falcons sounds like will stay undefeated the longest, and they'll continue their pursuit to get back to the Super Bowl. Patriots in New England. I know. It's going to be fun. Ooh, that's going to be great. Let's go uh, to the video yeah. and see how we did in predicting Saints-Panthers. <laughs> Do I think New Orleans is going to win the game? Maybe. Do I think that Drew Brees scores like 14 points in the last 10 minutes and just like That's absolutely eats up that six? Right. Backdoor cover Brees. I don't, res- <laughs> I don't, I think you're wildly overrated as a quarterback, but in terms of solid bets, especially in Carolina. I'm going $10 on the Saints. I don't feel great about it though. I'm picking Carolina to win the game 24 to 20. Yeah, I, they always scare me, the Saints, from, from these type of games. So we underestimated them. They blew them out. Blew them out. And apparently Cam Newton is a big issue right now. I get it. I mean, people love to get on Cam. I understand that. They're still 2-1. and one. I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you to say we watched much of that game yesterday. So no, I really don't, have, to I don't have a whole lot of feel for it in general. It was just um, a good bet by us. But when you don't have Greg Olson, I mean, Greg, their offense, their passing offense is really dictated around Greg Olson. The formations they get in, everything they do is really to take advantage of him in the matchups and pass games. So that does hurt them. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Cam's been off. I'll, I'll be interested to see he's been less off each week uh like the bills game in week two he started off and we were going oh he's throwing the ball good as the game went on and they got later he missed a few throws late in the game they could have probably put the nail in the coffin and they didn't do that uh i will be interested to see what happens but again this is a team let's like let's be serious this is nothing like this team was is built on power right and if you can't use your power and run the football on teams, then the rest of your offense goes away. They're not built to be Cam Newton. We're going to throw it 45 times a game to our six, seven receivers yeah. who are 240 pounds. That's not what they're. They're not the greatest show on turf. So if you can't play and, and win games with your strength, that makes it hard for your team to have to kind of play outside its own box there and, and, and execute. First season in Breeze's career in which he has zero giveaways through the first three games. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Uh, let's go to London, Ravens, Jaguars. We both bet $100 on Baltimore. We both lost in a big way. I am. Uh, apparently, always bet on the Jaguars when they're in London. Joe Flacco looking like Bortles, 8 of 18 for 28 yards, a 0.5 QBR, which is the lowest QBR ever after Andy Dalton set the record two weeks ago Ooh. in that Ravens game. Uh, Flacco, I, it's hard to read anything into this game, yeah. but Jaguars in London, they know it. Don't overestimate repetition and knowing how to... They have the hotel, yes. they know what cleats, they, they know got how the to routine, travel. routine, everything. You're right. Alan Hearns is apparently called Mr. Mr. London. Mr. London. Uh, but Blake Bortles didn't play bad. He, no, he threw Blake a few Bortles good throws. has weeks one and three made some nice throws. Now, he fell off a little in week two against the Titans, but I'm telling you, his motion even looks a little bit different to me, Lefko. It does Are almost look like he drops it down. Bortles? Well, no, I'm not okay. going that far. Let's relax. Uh, but the other thing, two things I think I would say, first of all, Jaguars are a really tough matchup for Baltimore in a lot of ways. Let's not re- let's remember, Baltimore lost their starting guard in Marshall Yonda. He's one of the best offensive linemen in football. They're without their other starting left guard. The injuries are unbelievable on yes. that side, and it's not a creative offense, and they haven't really had to do anything offensively the first two weeks because their defense has been so dominant. Yes, But that this is the week that, of course, makes you go, damn, 
What's their offense going to – Is there? can their offense hang in there against any of the teams that maybe put up 20 points on the Ravens? Are they going to be able to do anything? So that's scary from that standpoint. And Jacksonville's defense is – I mean, it's the real deal Holyfield. When 20 and 21 are on the outside – Yeah, Bouye and Ramsey. They are phenomenal. They are – I, I think they're the best duo in football, and they're so cocky. They, I mean, they're amazing because they can just live on an island and say, I think "Screw Ramsey's you." Ramsey's been the number one PFF corner thus far this season, too. Yeah, he should be. I mean, even in the first week when Hopkins had a few catches, he was all over Hopkins. Yeah, it he wasn't was. like it was nothing there. But uh, good for the Jaguars. I, I'm, Two and one. And I got again. I'm going to give respect to Doug Marone for pounding the rock in the run game. Yes. Uh, poor Leonard Fournette. Every time he got a 12 yard run, they called it back with like a holding or something like that. And I'm going to give credit to Nate Hackett. Their offensive coordinator, who's you know made chicken salad out of chicken shit in a lot of ways, but he's done a good job of staying patient with the run and giving Blake Bortles, I think, plays that he's very comfortable in running. Dolphins, Jets. We both bet the Jets. You put two hundred on them. I put ten. Both got it right. Both yeah. felt super smart. Adam Gase's quote about the game: His first thing he said in the press conference, "quote They beat the shit out of us." Yes. Uh, Marcus May. Well, we don't have a freaking video of that one. No, we didn't. Uh. I, I ran out of time. You were great, though. You were you were really impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Marcus May, forty six snaps in coverage versus Miami, no targets on hundred and seven coverage snaps this season. Marcus May has faced three targets for just twenty nine yards. Yeah. Their two safeties, him are, and Jamal Adams, are fantastic. Already in the conversation for the best duo in football are there. And they're rookies. They're rookies. They're all over the field. And I know I told you that in the previous week against the uh, Oakland Raiders that they're, they're everywhere. Jamal Adams is already in the conversation for the best strong safety in the game. Wow. Mark, yes, he is. He's he's like he's a Cam Chancellor, except he's younger and faster right now. That's how impressive he is. And then Marcus May, Marcus May could be in the conversation for one of the best strong safeties in the game as well, but it's just they have Jamal Adams on the team, so he has to play free safety more times than not. But phenomenal open field tackler, phenomenal range on both of them. They both can cover man-to-man when need be. The Jets did a good job drafting those two. And the Jets, again, their front four on defense is still good. I don't give a damn if Sheldon Richardson's there or not. They got big bodies. And their secondary is not horrible. With those two guys, Buster Screen and Morris Claiborne, I can point out worse secondaries in football than that right there. Uh, I think you could do the Dolphins. No doubt, because that's probably is the worst secondary in football. That bad? They're just, yes, and I'll be excited to watch that film, but that's what concerned me about the game the week before against the Chargers. The Chargers had no business losing that game to the Dolphins. They blew that, Um, and with everything they... How did Cutler play? It it, it didn't look like he had a lot, but I'll give you a more honest answer when I get to watch it on Wednesday. Uh, Speaking of quarterbacks that get often disrespected, Bucks Vikings, Mm. uh, you got this right by taking the Vikings. We uh, you won ten dollars, I lost ten. Case Keenum is now officially undefeated against the Bucks. He is now (laughs) three and zero in his career. Looked incredible. Yes. And the Vikings are looking like a legitimate NFC contender. Yes. Now, we saw this last year, but I do think this is yes. a different Vikings team all the way. Because the first thing is just the offensive line. And, like, you know, I know guys in the office yesterday asked me, like, what's different about their offense? The biggest difference is they can block people, and that kind of helps with your passing game. Getting so, Mike Remmers. And, yeah, yeah. Getting Remmers, getting uh, – we're missing the the other guy they signed in the um, – 
They didn't get. Uh, it's not T.J. Lang. No, um, that's Detroit. But hold on, they got two guys. We'll get there to it. But it's Remmers. They've changed their offensive line in general, and it's allowed them to now sit back in the pocket and hit 15 and 20 yard out routes to Diggs or Thielen or whoever it may be. And then, of course, when you have Dalvin Cook at running back, that's getting the defenses Riley uh, Reef. Riley Reef, right? So there, you just you look at that group, that group, and you go, okay, this offense is not going to be a pushover, even though they don't have like superstar number one receiver. Yeah, they have like three good number two. And this was such a bad matchup for Jameis. Jameis goes out there and he's just throwing balls in the air, and the Vikings defense is so disciplined. Jameis, scary at times. He's got a long way to go. Yeah, I mean he's, he's got to rein it in. Yes, and he's not learning. And when you watch Hard Knocks and you see that it was an issue then, it's going to be an issue for a while. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's what's made him who he is. So it's going to be a a tough habit to break. I do think he'll be able to break it. Yeah, the game lend itself to that too. When you get down early like that to Minnesota, then he pushes the envelope right. on trying to make special plays and that's a bad unit to make, you know, try to do that kind of crap. Minnesota's defense, man. Whoo! Those well, you two think Everson Griffin is, is on like defensive MVP watch. You need to watch Everson Griffin everybody. He's in the he's in the Von Miller Khalil Mack stratosphere right now for pass rushers. He is Getting to the point where he's almost unblockable one-on-one. He could have had six sacks against the Steelers. He was a hair away from a bunch of them. Uh, yes, he's he's playing the position as good as anybody in the game. Uh, Browns-Colts. Browns win. You'll check the film. I will check the film. I'll give it a good look. Okay. Are you ready to talk politics? Are you ready for us to talk politics? All right. This is a... Uh, it was a landmark weekend in the NFL. Donald Trump on Friday in Huntsville, I think it was, uh, was up there campaigning for somebody. Uh, and his quote was, wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when someone disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now out. He's fired. He's fired. He said referees are hurting the game. He said fans should leave the stadium if they see someone protesting. I guarantee things will stop. Uh, Tell them to stand. Um, Do you want to get some stuff off your chest first with kind of what you saw Sunday and now that sports and politics are intertwined because he made these Gosh. comments. Well, I mean, the first thing is, I mean, you know, and now he's talking about the referees. Okay. Gosh, he, he does. He knows everything. Apparently he is the smartest man on the planet. Um, you know, he just has no business talking about disrespect. He's disrespected everybody on the planet. Literally. I mean, he's, he's every branch of the government, uh, lawyers, judges, people in his own cabinet, department of justice, CIA. He's done it all. He's disrespected all of them. Uh, I have a lot of issues with Donald Trump. Trump, really. He disrespected our first black president and wouldn't give him the dignity to call him a citizen of our country. Said if you showed him the birth certificate, he'd show you his tax returns. Uh, he never showed those tax returns. This just in. He's a liar. Um, and then you go into it even more. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I would probably be less harsh if he called the racist assholes from Charlottesville sons of bitches, too. And that was a quote from Alex Smith. Alex Smith saying it's a little bit shocking that he's willing to call us sons of bitches, but he's not willing to say anything about Charlottesville. I got respect for Alex Smith because this is the second time I've heard him kind of speak up about this stuff. And this is what has to happen. There needs to be more Sean Paytons and Alex Smiths in the NFL to make a stand for the African-American players because Donald Trump's going to pit this black versus white, and he could say it all he wants. But when you don't call a group of people who have Nazi flags and Confederate 
Confederate flags, who was anti-government. We went to war with one of those countries because they were trying to extinguish races of people. And then you're going to call sons of bitches to black guys kneeling on the ground uh, during the national anthem. Yeah. You know. And, and yeah, so that bothers me, and it so, bothers me even the booing in the stands in the game. I'm sorry, it bothers me. It, don't disrespect the flag by booing while the national anthem's playing. I'm sorry, just let it be, and then maybe boo after it. It's it's interesting because he made it an issue about booing the flag, but it was never about that. It was trying to get answers uh, and comments about racial inequality, because we are the players' podcast, and we constantly have issues with the divide between owners and players, and we call them the greedy owners right. and the players that don't get paid enough. I went through and I looked up the thirty-two responses. Can I give from my... all of the NFL owners? Yeah, and I wanted to see what they. Set. All right, can I just give my two cents of that right before we start? Yes. Because that was the, probably the number one thing you would attest to, that I came into the building yesterday on Sunday and I was more mad at anything, was the fact that it took this now for the owners to speak up a little bit. You know, oh, it's going to hurt our bank account? Now he's divisive. No, he's been divisive for 14 months. He's been bad in a lot of ways. But now it hurt them, yes. and now they want to go against them. So my thing is this. Everywhere on TV... Everywhere you're looking, people are going to talk about how players reacted, how coaches reacted, how fans reacted. And I get it because the visuals are there. But for me, Trump issued a challenge to the owners. And I wanted to see how the owners reacted. He didn't tell the players to go fire a teammate. No, he told the owners to fire a teammate. I wanted to see how they responded. And I think it's really interesting when you pay attention to the words that people used. Yeah. Sims, how many owners in their comment said the word president. Yeah, I'm going to say like four. Ten. Okay. Jaguars, Bills, Giants, Packers, Saints, Niners, Patriots, Browns, Texans, Colts. Okay. If you didn't hear your team, your owner didn't even say the word president. Right. How many owners said the word Trump? I'm going to go with four again. Two. Damn. The Pagulas of Buffalo and Shahid Khan of the Jaguars. Very impressed with Khan this weekend. How many owners said they wouldn't fine, suspend, or fire a player because of a protest? They wouldn't? They would not. Trump said you should do this. How many of them said we would not do that? I'm going to say zero. Zero. Right. How many owners in their statement mentioned the word race? Mm. Three. Three. Wow. The Jaguars, the Seahawks, and the Saints. Okay. Tom Benson, Paul Allen, and then Jaguar Sheikhan. How many owners mentioned the word equality? Five. Four. Okay. The Browns, the Dolphins, the Saints, and the Bills. It's not a sport that believes in equality. Six owners stood on the field. Mm Mm-hmm. Lurie, Snyder, Ford, excuse me, seven. Lurie, Snyder, Ford, Spanos, and Woody Johnson. Mm -hmm. It wasn't actually Woody, it was his brother. Right. Never mentioned the president or racial equality, but they stood on the field. The only two that happened were Stephen Ross and Khan. All the other ones, in my opinion, I thought about this. Mm -hmm. It was just a photo op. I don't know. They didn't say anything. It was a league memo that say all owners go down and on the field and, you know, interlock with your players. Here's the reason I'm doing this. Yeah. 
I am not going to say anything that's going to change people's opinion about their politics. If you support Trump, that is your right. But I'm not going to say anything right now because you're probably emboldened in your speech. If you believe that it was an issue, guess what? Same way. I'm not going to make you even more steadfast on this. But I do believe that we can have a role of watching the, the decision makers and seeing what they do. Because you need to chronicle this in history for what how people decisions. It's very easy 10 years from now to look back and go, oh, I was on that side. Yeah. I want to see what side you're on now to right, remember. Right. Four owners didn't release a statement. Jerry Jones, his team didn't play, so we'll see if he makes one today, but I don't know if he is going to. Woody Johnson, because he's the UK ambassador. Jerry Richardson refused to make a statement. The owner for the Carolina Panthers, also the only team that did no form of protest, whatever. Did the Texans do it? That's what I was going to ask you because they, the Texans did do protest. And Art yeah. Rooney right. released a statement. The Rooney family saying they had nothing to add to Goodell. Now, there were eight o- owners that supported Trump's campaign with finances. Man, that's a disappointing what did they do? four there, but go ahead. Jerry Jones, Woody Johnson, Jerry Richardson. I would have guessed Rooney. those three. I, Rooney, I would not have guessed. Well, he said he had nothing to add to Goodell's statement. Okay. Owners that supported Trump's campaign. Jerry Jones, million dollars? No sh- statement. Shocker. Dan Snyder, the Washington Redskins released a team statement, but it was specifically not his statement, mm. and it never mentioned the president. Woody Johnson supported Trump. No comment. Glazer, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not only did not mention the president, in his speech mentioned that we should respect differing opinions, but never said to stand by the player's opinion. Hmm. So in essence, in my mind, he's supporting Trump because we should listen to both sides. We've been hearing that now for a while. Both sides. Kroenke, L.A. Rams. No president, respect differing opinions. Again, see both sides. Kroenke and Glazer and me were the biggest issues. Kraft supported uh, Trump. He was disappointed by the tone of the president's comments, which I thought was a bold statement for him. Yes. McNair, Bob McNair, Houston Texans. He found the comments divisive and counterproductive to what our country needs. Right. Khan. Jaguars. Yeah. Trump, Trump, he said his name, was contentious and divisive. The comments by the president made it harder. Mm. Khan did an about face, and he was on the field. The owners that we need to hear both sides, Glazer, Kroenke, Spanos came out later, and Hunt for the Chiefs. I found the best responses in terms of owners sticking up for their players. My first one really was was Haslam of the Browns. Haslam talked about his players' impact and actions in society, applauded conversations they started with police, actually mentioned things that his teammates and his team have done, called the president's comments misguided, uninformed, and divisive, and will not let them deter us from unity. I found that one to be really interesting. That's a really good one. The Browns are kicking butt with that because they had that video thing on week one, too. That was great. Exactly. I thought Khan had some really good ones as well. Uh, I thought that the Titans and Strunk, uh, anyone making disparaging remarks about them does not know what they are bringing. And then the only one that I thought was interesting was Mark Davis. And I'm going to end it here before I make my closing point. And again, uh, I'm just giving you information of how the owners are reacting. 
uh, to this. Mark Davis told a story. About a year ago before our Tennessee game, I met with Derek Carr and Khalil Mack. He's the only owner to mention any players by name. Mm-hmm. To ask their permission to have Tommy Smith light the torch for my father before the game in Mexico City. I explained to them that I was asking for their permission because I had previously told them I, pref- I would prefer for them not to protest while in a Raiders uniform. Over the last year, though, the streets have gotten hot, and there have been a lot of static in the air, and recently, fuel has been added to the fire. I can no longer ask our team to not say anything while they're in a Raiders uniform. The only thing I ask is for them to do it with class, do it with pride. Not only do we have to tell people there is something wrong, we have to come up with answers. That's a challenge in front of us as Americans and human beings. I thought that was very interesting for an owner to go, I didn't want them to protest, but it's turned around. A lot of owners were afraid to say the name Trump. A lot of owners were afraid to even say president. 22 teams, in fact, were afraid to say president. But the words that were used in almost every single statement were divisive and unify. My thing, though, is this. It's already divisive. It was divisive before Trump made these comments. And the divisiveness was the lack of respect for other races when it comes to how they are treated and inequalities in our country. Anybody. Yes. By simply saying that it is currently divisive and we need football to unify, you are not addressing anything. And in fact, in my opinion, you are making the problem worse because we are not talking about the reason we are here. They were not kneeling because they didn't respect the military or the flag. They were kneeling because their voice was not heard. And now the president is saying that they are doing this because they are disrespecting the flag. Their voices are getting smaller. And what's going to happen with all of this, the one thing that President Trump will accomplish for the players, is after this weekend, I firmly believe we will 100% get a strike in 20. 2021 because the divisiveness between the owners and the players is only going to get stronger because they are now firmly aware of the gap. If they weren't sure of the gap before between the owner and the player, whether it was not a lot of money, whether it was not getting a lot of respect, well, when the president comes down and says, you should fire those sons of bitches, and then you have somebody like the Cincinnati Bengals owner coming out in this and ushering these words, football and politics don't mix easily, fans come to NFL games to watch great competition on the playing field, and that's where our focus should be, not standing up for his players, not saying that this is out of line, not saying I know he said that, but I disagree. The gap between the players and the owners will only get longer, and I can guarantee you that they will be willing to carry out that strike in two to three years. Man, that is really well said. Only thing I'm going to say, I'm not rebutting anything here, I mean, you were spot on, that was awesome, Lefko, is just the fact that um, my optimism as a person is going maybe the owners will now realize the gap and maybe really try to actually see things from the player's side of view. I'm hoping. I mean, because, yes, Lefko, I've told you this. I've told my other friends, too. Man, some of my friends that are still playing in the NFL, and I don't have a ton of them, but i got a few sprinkled throughout the league still. It's it's hard on them right now because I think a lot of them feel like they're going into meeting rooms and – their coaches are supporting a person that they are completely against and think not forget the politics of it. 
the, I don't like the president the person. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And I think that's the way a lot of other people uh, do it too. And then when you know your your position coach, your head coach supported him, that makes them wonder how they really are viewed by their position coach or head coach. And I know it's it's very uncomfortable for some of my friends that I've talked to. We are now going to toss to Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush, we had a lot of fun with him. If you're on uh, if you're on Facebook right now, subscribe to our podcast so you can listen to that. Uh, but we talked about a lot of things from him having to give up his Heisman to Sheldon Brown taking his life in that playoff game. And then, of course, we talked more about Trump and everything that's going on right now with the NFL. If you don't like politics, uh, you know what? That's why I told you this segment was coming up. If you did and you disagree with us, we are happy to talk about it. We are not stuck in our ways. We are always interested. Sims and Left go week three is in the books. We'll have a big podcast coming out Thursday. And then, of course, our picks coming out later in the week. Love you guys very much. For Sims, for Fendrick, he'd say goodnight. And for myself, Peace out. We'll talk to you guys in a few days. All right. Okay. Thank you guys so much. The podcast is wrapped, but now it is time for the man, the myth, the legend, Reggie Bush. Reggie. 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 <laughs> Reggie. Uh, welcome. Thank you, man. You just said that you had your third child. Third, yeah. All right. Number so three. this is a boy. Uh-huh. What's his name? Ajaman. Ooh. Yeah. Ajaman? Did you have two? Ajaman. Okay. Does he have two uh, sisters or a brother and sister? Uh, brother and sister. Wow. Yeah. What's the order? Uh, my daughter's the oldest. Okay. Uh, Briseis. Her name's Briseis. Okay. It's Greek. And then um, my son is my son is in the middle. His name is Uriah. He's two years old. Wow. Um, and then Anjuman. And that's taking up a good amount of your time right now. It's taking up all the time. <laughs> Harder breaking a tackle from let's say I don't know Bart Scott or dealing <laughs> with ch- children. What do you, wow. Oh man, children all day. <laughs> man, so you're Papa Bush right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wait, so you brought up Bart Scott. Then I we did. Just, we just got to ask you. Did yeah, you ever heard the Bart Scott story he tells about you? No. He tells a story in New York he City. He told on this podcast. He's told it on this podcast, too. All in good fun. Bart's our homie, uh-huh. okay? Yeah. But he he says like that you guys got into a little scrap after the game, and he Where swears you, that- you were holding him down on the field, and he popped up, and he said, I want cover one the rest of the game so I could be one-on-one with Reggie. And then he saw you out. He said he saw you out in the club, and, and he, he says you dipped. He said he said you got scared and dipped away. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. yeah. No, I want to set the record straight. <laughs> scared and dipped away from Bart Scott. That's yeah. what he says. Yes, eat that Bart. Bart says he's an intimidator. No. Come on, no, 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 no. But do no. you remember though getting on top of him and really just rubbing it in? No, he probably deserved yeah. it. I mean, the, the, my Bart Scott story that I was thinking of was Ooh. when we were in uh, when we were playing in New Orleans. I had an ankle or knee or leg injury, something like that. And um, all week long, Rex Ryan was talking about, you know, we're going to put some hot sauce on. And, oh, and, yeah. Remember that? Remember yes. the hot sauce yes. thing? Yes. Yeah. We're going to put yeah. some hot so, sauce on his leg. Yeah, on his leg or something like that. So then I was running the ball. Um, I don't remember what the play was. And he tackled me from behind and kind of like, you know, tackled and rolled. Right. And I injured my leg. And I was, I think I ended up not coming back in the game or something like that. Oh, so that's not or, a good story at Or all. maybe I did. I don't remember. But anyways, that was yeah. my only Bar Scott story. I don't ever remember. Yeah, yeah. I've never in my life ran away from anybody. You know, I'm starting so. to wonder if this Bart Scott character <laughs> yeah, exaggerates this come from? <laughs> well, you know, Bart, we, it, it's funny, man. It's th- those one-on-one matchups, especially running backs and linebackers, you get yeah. in the hole and it becomes, you know, that, that battle. And yeah. you can make people look really stupid. <laughs> like, you... you I don't even. I'm going back to college now. The Fresno State game was still like the coolest thing I've ever seen. But if you're coming up the hole and there's a linebacker, yeah. who was the one that you were like, 
I I need to brace for impact because this is going to be in, in, intense. I mean, shoot, there's 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 a lot of linebackers that'll knock your head off, right? Yeah. Like if you if you allow them, right? But I think you know the guys that I remember when I first got in the league, um, that I was just knew if I saw him in the hole, I was going to have to either brace for impact or just give him the best move possible. Uh, one was Derek Brooks. Yeah, um, Brooks. when he was in Tampa. Yeah. I mean, he was. A beast, <laughs> and he I played with him. Yeah, uh, I can remember yeah. Reggie the first. I saw Reggie one of his first <laughs> games ever in '06, uh, right? Yeah, '06. Yeah. They came down there the second week of the year, and Reggie came out, and I, as soon as I had a punt return, you did for a touchdown. You yeah, did. That was my first touchdown, and I was like, well, okay, Reggie's for real. <laughs> yes, but yeah, Derek Brooks, man, he was. I remember. I never forget, man. It might have been that game too. Yeah, he hit me so hard in my back when. It was like I had internal bleeding, and it really? probably lasted. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if I didn't have yeah, it, really, right, but right, it felt like it. I had internal bleeding. Yeah, right, for sure. Right. <laughs> and my, I mean, my kidneys, my whole back was just it, that hit lasted for like a, a good month. Like I felt it for a good month. All right, so you were on that Saints team, yeah. Sean Payton, uh, who we believe truly is one of the better offensive minds in yeah. the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it's like the way he schemes things up, and then? You talk about that first, and I have a follow-up yeah. question for that. Uh, I thought Sean, you know, my first couple years in the league with Sean, uh, I thought he did a great job at just being creative, getting the ball uh, to our playmakers in space. Right. You know, which is, and we had a lot of speed, um, you know, at the receiver position, uh, at the running back position. Obviously, we had Drew, uh, tight ends that could stretch the field. Uh, so I thought Sean did a great job at really just being creative, uh, yeah. being a creative mind, and just getting the ball to our playmakers. In space. Did you find that more offensive coaches didn't do that? Um, there were some offensive coaches that I played for, yeah, that didn't. That They're didn't not on his that. level. Yeah. No, they, they weren't yeah. on his level for sure. Yeah, we no, just find yeah. that so funny. Yeah, well, because yeah. like uh, Peyton's one of those guys that, that I mean, he, you would agree, I'm sure. It, it's just he has a playbook just for the running back out of the backfield to catch yeah. balls, halfback yeah, choices. Sure. Yeah. You were one of the first guys ever when they would used to go the empty person, uh, empty, and yeah. you'd be in the slot and yeah. you'd run your little yeah. delay crosser <laughs> yeah. or whatever yeah. it was. We we watched a lot of. Um, St. Louis Rams, uh, Marshall Fox, Marshall Fall, right. uh, Mike Martz, you know, with, with, with that team. So right. we watched a lot of, we patterned a lot of what we did after them. Um, we did, we, we used a lot of stuff from Andy Reid and when he was in yeah, Philly, Ryan Westbrook. Ryan Westbrook. Right. Um, and then also with the Patriots, what they did with, um, uh, Kevin Falk, Kevin maybe? Falk. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Good Falk. one. Yeah. Uh, what, what, so. what about, um, what about the running backs right now? I don't mean to yeah. change the subject, no. but like just what running backs right now, who's the guy that is the most Reggie Bush like? And then who's the best <laughs> pure runner? Who's the guy that's that dual threat where you go, wow, he's amazing? And then who do you uh, think's the best pure between the tackles runner in the game right now? I got a list of names too, just to not yeah. put you on the spot. Well, I think I think the one guy right off the back that jumps out is Kareem Hunt. Yeah, right? right. Like what he's right. been doing has been amazing mm. as a rookie. And I think, you know, he has a great mind, offensive mind with yeah. Andy Reid, who just as every year is shown just nothing but creativity when he had Jamal Charles, right. Brian Westbrook, um, you know, going back to Michael Vick, you know, Tyree all the stuff Kill. that they did. Yeah. Yeah. They, he just does a great job of getting the ball uh, to his backs in space, and you just see the creativity. Uh, I, I played in Buffalo last year with LaShawn McCoy, yeah. and he loves he raves about him because, yeah. you know, he that obviously he had some of his best years in Philly when, when uh, he was with um, Coach Reed, but – uh, again, I've I've been a fan of, of Andy Reid for a long time, and just what he does, he's always just creative and and, and uh, does great stuff. Week one, uh, everybody was shocked that Adrian Peterson didn't get the ball. I wasn't. 
Yes. Talk about it. Because I said <laughs> I the wasn't same shocked. Thing. Yeah. yeah, because it's Sean Payton. He likes to use a lot of running backs. He right. likes to use three running backs. And and again, I knew it was going to be a big adjustment period for for uh, for AP because he's everywhere he's been. He's been the guy. So he's gotten the twenty plus carries everywhere he's been, going back to college, high school. Um, so this was going to be the first time where he was really going to have to split yeah. carries with yes. other running backs. And I knew for him and that adjustment period with Coach Payton and how he is, that was going to be tough. So I was curious. I mean, th- it's so hard from the fantasy perspective yeah. to pick one of you guys because <laughs> right. it's always Ingram, Pierre yep. Thomas, yep. Reggie Bush. It's yep. always a guy. Yep. What, how do you check your ego and exist in that? Man, it's tough because as a playmaker, you want the ball in your hands. You want to be out there helping your team. Um, and it's not. it doesn't come from a uh, – um, you know, a selfish mentality. It's more so on a, listen, I'm a playmaker. I want the ball in my hands. I want to help my team win games. Right. Especially when, you know, we're losing, right? They were 0-2, and, and, you know, they just got their first win uh, yesterday. But, again, when you're losing, you feel like you can be doing more, right? right? And you right. want to do more because, you know, it's the, it's the natural competitiveness inside of us. Yeah. Of us. So, so AP calls you up and goes, Reggie, I don't know how to handle this. What do you tell him? <laughs> I would just tell him uh, – you know, just try to handle it the best way you can because uh, it's not going to change. <laughs> yeah, this is so, what he signed up for. I mean, yeah, he should have known this before. It's, it's not going to change. Which is funny because he literally said, I didn't sign up for nine I know. carries. That's what's, he like, did? He no, did. Yeah, he had that comment. He's like, I didn't sign up for this. No, that's exactly what you signed <laughs> up for. Like, that's what Sean oh, He really does. did, though. Yeah, he, he, whether he knew it or not, he, that's exactly what he signed up for. Listen, the only thing that's going to – I mean, the one thing that's going to be consistent in that offense is Drew Brees throwing the ball 35-plus times yes, right. a game. Right. So, and, and that's – you know, I think – Sean's background is he was a quarterback in in high school or in college and you know so he's coming from the you know likes to throw the football and and uh, as long as I've been there which I was with him his first year as a head coach right. uh, you know he's he's always been that way and uh, it's not going to change. Yeah, he yet, just wants so. to run the ball so to keep his play action passes exactly. ab- like yeah. viable, right? Yeah. And then for the most part the, and the issue is that you know he divides those carries up between three running backs. So mm. now, you know, you're forced to try to Sometimes do extra right. uh, when to you make maybe not need to because you're trying to make the most of each carry that yeah. you get right. So uh, I, I want to ask you just I don't mean I'm not trying to bring up bad memories or anything <laughs> like that, but I'm I'm intrigued just because of like USC Texas yeah. right a few uh-huh. weeks ago. Um, first of all, did they do you have the Heisman anymore? Did they like nope. they legitimately took that thing? No, from I, I returned it. You returned yeah, it. Returned did you it. mail it? Uh, How does one do that? I don't remember. I mean, I just, is I just that's actually First a great all, question. Bullshit. It is bullshit because I've made statements about like hundred dollar handshakes, right? That I got at Texas, and yeah. first of all, I'm I'm really they got to figure out a way to help college players out a little bit. Certainly, hundred percent. Yes, 100%. because the coaches can do whatever they want. You know, the guys that run the NCA, they're getting hundred thousand dollar handshakes from sponsors for Thousands bowl games, right? Yeah. Hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I mean, so easy. It's, it's bullcrap. Um, so yeah, I guess I want to hear your take on on that, and just maybe what needs to be yeah. done for the player standpoint I mean, again you know I, I some in 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 my opinion i think sometimes you know college football can be a little bit tougher because of the workload that you have with school yes. and managing school and you got tests and papers and all those different things and then have to go out and play football so right. it's like you you're juggling two full-time and you're a kid and you're a kid right right and so you're trying to make the most of this of this college experience um so you know i think it's uh it's a disservice to the kids because um, the universities, uh, you know, the coaches—they can all make money. And right. They can sell your likeness, your jerseys. How many your five name. jerseys were sold? I mean, you know, <laughs> a lot. And then you, then you throw in the bowl games and how much money that brings into university. And so, 
you got everybody except the actual athletes making money. Right. Literally everybody except right. athletes. And the athletes are the ones that drive, you know, that, that are, are the engine of the whole thing, right? Did yes. you realize that while you were playing? I did not, no. Because I, you're probably caught yeah. up in the spectacle and all the fans. You're just caught up in just, man, I just, I want, I'm in college, you know, I'm on my own. I was yeah. just excited to be on my own and not have to, you know, do chores anymore. When did, it, when did you <laughs> right, realize that, yeah. that the whole structure was nonsense? Uh, I would say once, probably a few years into the NFL, like once I really started to, you know, with all the NCAA stuff that happened and once we really started to, I started to educate myself yeah. on everything that was going on. Um, you know, I, I really just opened my eyes. Because I'm sure people around you were going, don't give it back. You earned that. Oh, yeah, everybody. Uh, I'm sure. Everybody. I mean, <laughs> everybody did you have it. to give it back? Like, or you just thought, uh, I'll just do well, this just was, to get away from this distraction I did, or whatever? I, exactly. That's what it was. Okay. It was more about the distraction of it. Um, and and I, uh, I just wanted to get away from it. Uh, so, uh, again, um, you know, I think the NCAA, they, they have to change and figure out a way to better take care of the athletes yeah. so that guys don't have to go do that right like we i remember our stipend checks a month were yeah what were thousand dollars yeah right ours was months. around there living too. in la so right. my, our, my rent was I st- i'll never forget our rent i had a roommate um, our rent was 1480 so we had to split that that was 740 right a piece right, right. so and then after that you got bills you got food, yeah right you want to eat you're gonna eat so yeah. it's all those different things um that you know kids are they, they need more. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Since we're talking about bad memories, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite moments, one of my least favorite games, and I'm sorry this came at your expense. Do you know what I'm going to say? No. I'm going to say Sheldon Brown. Okay. The Sheldon right. Brown hit in the in the division game or wild card game. It was like the first play of the game. game. It was, my, it was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah. You getting destroyed by <laughs> Sheldon. I'm an Eagles fan. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and then you guys came out there won the game. But that was, I mean, that's all-time top 10 jacked up it NFL. Was. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely a welcome to the NFL hit. What was, sure. you, you talked about the Derek Brook hit <laughs> kind of stayed with you for a few yeah. days. How long did that hit stay with you? You know what? So that hit actually, the hit itself didn't hurt me it was when my back hit the ground and it knocked all the wind out of my stomach right. so i don't know if you've ever had the wind knock your stomach it's like the closest he's kind of soft he hasn't <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of accurate <laughs> so I, all the wind got knocked out of my stomach i couldn't breathe and i just remember looking up and i was like trying to get my and i was like crawling yeah. trying to like get my breath and i was tired at the same time right so i I really had I had a one split second where I thought I was going to die off the ball field. Did right you really? Because I couldn't breathe. I, I thought you were going to die too. I got really nervous. I was like, I, I, you know what's funny? I had an authentic Reggie Bush jersey when I was in college. It really right. wasn't authentic. I got it from like one of those overseas Chinese jersey sellers. Right. And the two and the five were way too close together, so everybody knew it was fake. But I had it, and I, I remember being like, I'm so conflicted. They're playing the Eagles, and then you got hit, and I went. I like almost did a prayer over your jersey. I was like, don't die, Reggie. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I got back up. Yes. Two plays later, scored the winning touchdown. Yeah, he's dead Philadelphia. You know like, yeah. No, I remember. Yeah. I'm very well aware of this. Um, I saw you were very active on Twitter. Yeah. I do kind of want to go into the Trump stuff. We just yep. ended our podcast, and we talked a lot about it. Yeah. Uh, it, it look, the word was divisive yep. and unify. Yeah. He divided, and, yeah. the, and the NFL, NFL family tried to unify. unify. You were very yeah. public. I saw that you tweeted that he's a clown. He is um, a clown. <laughs> first, first question would be, no if you were out there, Neil, what would it have been for you? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I definitely would have. I had some form of a peaceful protest, whether it was locking arms with. I loved. I loved that. That was to yeah. me was the the NFL. I thought took a huge step uh, yesterday, yes. and just with 
all of the the guys locking arms, showing unity, um, and showing that you know we were not going to allow our president to to, to divide us. I'm and, curious. You're you're in a locker room and you have all those guys and you bleed and you sweat and yeah. you cry for each other and yep. you fight yep. and you have someone that comes out and says if they would like to speak their minds in a peaceful protest yeah. fire that son of a bitch yeah what was... what is a locker room how is it what is the reaction to that explain to people what this does to someone who puts it all out there i mean as a just as a man right like as a man it's just you feel some type of way about you know these these words that the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, is saying about us. And it's it's insulting, uh, it's disrespectful, because we all... Uh, and, and, you know, the other thing that kind of bothers me is how people say, well, oh, they make millions of dollars, so they should just go, you know, Right, then don't talk and, about football anymore, then, because <laughs> right. stay in your lane. Exactly. You don't know football, it's so, not fair. So because we make millions, and, and to be honest, I truly believe we're underpaid, and we don't have guaranteed contracts. Right. So that's a whole other set of... of of a topic that we can get into, yeah. But again, like we work for the for that money. It's not like we just showed up and somebody just handed it to us. We actually work for we work hard for that money. We put Body our livelihoods risk. Right. at risk every time we step on that football field. Obviously, every you know what's going on with the CTE yeah. and everything that happens with with our heads and our bodies and all the different surgeries and things that we have to go through. So we work for that money. Right, we, we're not just handed this. So for the president of the United States to come out and to say that about uh, about black players peacefully protesting for a bigger a bigger picture, bigger story, right? With the, um, it, it's just I don't know. I, I right. was shocked. I, just, I couldn't believe you said it. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe I was hearing this. Well, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And and all right, so this is my my take, and I want you to kind of go off yeah. of it because there's a few things that bother me. Okay, I mean, first of all, there's for him to speak of respect is is laughable because yeah. he's disrespected just about every person in our country Senator for McC- the most John part. John McCain, prisoner right. of war. He's Everybody. He's, flat he's, out said it. he's disrespected branches of the government, the yeah. military. You go through the list. He has done it all. Yeah. Okay. He didn't give our first African-American president the respect to call him an American citizen until three days before his first debate, okay? So there's that issue. And then, if you want to call black players sons of bitches or guys that kneel down on sons of bitches, you know, my issue with it is, why did you not sound off against the racist in Charlottesville yeah. like this? It took he you didn't. forever to figure out yeah. a comment about them, and they're yelling out the yeah. N-word yeah. and, you know, kill Jews and yeah. everything else in the world. Yeah. But he didn't yeah. condemn that. And then yeah. to add this, this is my last little point or whatever, I am annoyed by the owners, too, that it took this long for them to finally go, hmm, this guy is divisive. Because for me, yeah. where I look at it, I go, the owners are going, oh, now this might hurt our checkbook. Yeah. Now we're going to come out and and unify with the yeah. players. So that bothers yeah. me. I'm just giving you a launching board no, there. I, I know agree. that was a lot. but I, I agree, and I like what you said because it's really important for people. I, for me, for one, I appreciate what you said because – uh, it's important for not just black athletes to stand up and talk about this. It's important for all races right. to talk about this, right? Whether you're black, white, Mexican, Asian, it doesn't matter where you come from. We need from. more Sean Paytons, who exactly. yesterday spoke out against it. Yes. We need a white quarterback yeah. to come out strong exactly. against it. Exactly. And Aaron Rodgers posted something on his on his Instagram, right. so did Tom Brady. And that that's great. That's amazing. You saw all those guys locking arms. So that's what football is about, though. It's about unity. It's about all these different guys who come from all different types of walks of of life and are raised, you know, differently. Some the same and different, uh, you know, races and yeah, cultures and right. and coming together and working for one common goal to win a championship. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. And 
And then when you look at situations like what happened with, um, you know, the hurricane in, in, in Houston. Yes. And, and even for us, Hurricane Katrina. Like yeah. we, we put our blood, sweat, and tears into that city, uh, not just on the football field, but off the football field. I mean, we built, we rebuilt homes, stadiums. Uh, I mean, we did a lot for that city. So that's, that's what football is about. And for I think for uh, again for the, the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, to say those remarks uh, about us, um, which is what led to yesterday when you saw all the teams, right? You know, really, that, it was that, unify against unify Trump. Against that's, Trump. What it was. that's what it was. It was, it was unify against Trump. We're, yeah. we're out of the race yeah. for for this Sunday. We're just yeah. telling you you're wrong, Mr. Right. President. Yeah, exactly, and that's what that was about yesterday. So I hope that you know he watched and he saw that, and and he took something from that. I tell you what, Reggie Bush, he was versatile on the football field as a running back, and he's shown he can do it on the microphone yeah. as well. Reggie, man, appreciate Thank you, you man. so appreciate much. It. Yeah, thanks for I'm excited you, to watch thanks your buddy. career thanks. blossom on TV. Sims and Lefko, you guys are great. As always, hit, us, hit us up on iTunes five-star review, Reggie, and we will Reggie, hook you up. Reggie, 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 Reggie. Give him his damn Heisman back. <laughs> Love you guys. Talk to you soon.